whether it's a career that you're after or starting a company, don't wait. Really jump in, be exposed, jump into the deep end because you, you really, the only way you learn and grow is by doing hard things, hard, uncomfortable things. Welcome to From the Dorm Room to the Boardroom, a podcast where we provide insights, tips, and inspiration for college students and young professionals so they can make a really successful transition from college life to the professional world and beyond. My name is Andy Malinsky, and I'm your host. I'm also a professor of organizational behavior and international management at Brandeis University's International Business School, where we record and produce this podcast. So today's guest is Jim DeSico. Jim's the oldest brother and CEO at Key2Life, Inc., makers of super coffee and super creamer. I was just telling Jim that I was at my local Whole Foods this morning and I saw it right there. So it's uh, it's right there near you. Uh, Jim served as captain of the football team at Colgate University. And upon graduating in 2015, he joined his two younger brothers to create the world's first super coffee. Uh, Since then, Jim and his brothers have raised $18 million in venture capital. They've pitched on ABC's Shark Tank, which we definitely need to hear about, and were featured in the 2019 class of Forbes 30 Under 30. Jim, thanks so much for being with us. Andy, thanks for having me. It's great to be here. Cool. So let's hear about... Tell us about the company. Tell us about what you do now. And so what I'll do is I'd I'd love to hear about that. And then we'll kind of go back to college and and sort of... uh, You'll tell us the story of where you were then and how you got from there to now. But let's start with now. Tell us about about the company, your job, your role. What what, what are you up to? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, today we have have 20 full-time employees. Our our headquarters is in downtown Manhattan, New York City, uh, right near the World Trade Center. And my, my role has evolved from sort of working in the company to, to working on the company, I, I like to say, where whereas three years ago when we were, uh, were just getting started out of my little brother's dorm room, we were making deliveries, stocking shelves, sending invoices, doing all of that. And now fortunate, we're in a, a position fortunate enough to surround ourselves with a team of people who can do it better than we can. So uh, I'm, I'm sort of gauging... Uh, my, my day-to-day is, is gauging, checking in with sales, checking in with marketing and finance, uh, and, and making sure we have what we need. The, the, in a high growth startup, our business needs evolve every single day. So, uh, really taking the temperature for for different opportunities, uh, what type of support is going to require those opportunities are going to require. Whether it's a new distributor or a new retailer in a in a new region, for instance, um, we we recently launched in Stop and Shop up by you guys, and that required us to move one of our sales reps from New Jersey to Boston. So, uh, those are the high level decisions that that I'm making, and and. Uh, I'm also in charge of investor relations, making sure we have enough money and, and keeping our investors happy while we grow. So just tell us about the product quickly, because I, I sort of alluded to it, but just give us a quick sense of the product. Yeah, we started with a line of, of ready-to-drink bottled coffee, 12-ounce coffees that come in a plastic bottle, uh, organic Colombian coffee with protein and MCT oil, which is a healthy fat from coconut oil, uh, and zero sugar. So uh, as tired athletes, we just wanted something better for us than the Starbucks Frappuccino or the Dunkin' Donuts bottled coffee and something that actually gave us energy. So the three, the three tenets that we were, we were looking for as, as tired athletes was it's got to taste good. It's got to be good for us. And it's got to be effective. It's got to give us energy. Got it. So, so you went to Colgate, it sounds like. Tell us a bit about that, about what you majored in, what 
sort of was happening as at the tail end of college as you trans, transferred into the professional world? Tell us a bit about your college experience. All, my brothers and I, we were all college athletes, and that's a, a huge part of our identity. And part of the reason I chose Colgate was because it, it was a liberal arts education. It allowed me to play football and get a good, good education. I used football as a means to an end. I, I was a good student in high school, but I didn't have the grades to get into Colgate. So I uh, used football to, to help with that. I ended up majoring in philosophy. I, I really didn't know what I wanted to do, but I was fascinated by the way people think and solve problems. And philosophy seemed uh, pretty transferable with critical thinking and the ability to analyze arguments and, and communicate. So uh, philosophy major, writing minor, football was perhaps the, the biggest, uh, I guess, tran- transferable skills that I had, like the lessons I learned as an athlete, whether it's competing or enduring uh, adversity and trying times has really got me ready for entrepreneurship. But after Colgate, I, uh, I went to work for a Colgate graduate. He was uh, on the retail real estate team for, for the Blackstone Group. So I was actually a financial analyst for my first three months after college before my youngest brother, Jordan, called me and told me he was dropping out of school to start a coffee company. <laughs> wow. Lots in there. So first of all, I have to say you're probably the first official philosophy major we've had on the podcast, which is cool. You know, most people, uh, I think, majored in business or economics or something directly related. Um, so uh, did you choose philosophy because it said, you know, of course, for critical thinking and all that. Say more about that. You, you, you could have chosen maybe what, economics? I imagine, does Colgate have a business school? That was, uh, again, I, I didn't know what I wanted to do as an 18-year-old kid who, who needed to declare a major. So I did not want to be pigeonholed to medicine or, or pre-law or, or math or things like that. So philosophy to me was interesting. I, I was naturally intrigued by the arguments, the logic, the, those different skills that we studied. And it was transferable across many different industries. So it was something that I was interested in but also got me ready for for life beyond college because I did not know what what was next. Cool. So you got your so you got the you got the call from your brother. Now what's that all about? Where did your brother go to college? How did he start this and how did you get kind of hooked into it? Yeah, so two younger brothers, the middle brother Jake was uh, heading into his senior year at Georgetown where he played football and the youngest brother Jordan was heading into his sophomore year at Philadelphia University where he played basketball. And Jordan was, they had 5 a.m. basketball practice. So he was falling asleep in class. You know, he was tired. He, he, his school store only offered Starbucks and Dunkin' Donuts. So uh, he never intended to become a, a beverage entrepreneur, but he made a drink for himself that, that came out to be the first super coffee, protein coffee, everything I just described. And uh, it worked so well for him that he started selling it to his teammates, his classmates, and his coaches. And he was a full scholarship kid, starting point guard on the basketball team, had a bright career ahead of him all-conference player his freshman year. Uh, and he called me up and said, Hey, man, school's about to start. Jake and I have been working on this, this co- coffee idea all summer. I know if I go back to school, it's never going to work. You know, I can't be a full-time student-athlete and an entrepreneur. So as your older brother, I just want your blessing. I'm dropping out of school to pursue this thing. Here's the opportunity. And I, I heard his passion and his conviction for this. So I decided to leave my job. And, and we called mom and she was like, what are you talking about? She's like, you guys have... She's like, Jimmy, you have a great career. Jordan, you have a full-time scholarship. Like, this is madness. Because as, as our parents, I mean, their job was done. Their, their youngest child was in school with a full ride. I had a good job. They're like, we did it. We did it. And uh, now it was a shocking call for them to get. But they're our biggest supporters now. And, and uh, they've been there every step of the way. Wow. So that's pretty cool. So, you know, I'm a parent. I don't have kids that are that old. And I'm not 
I'm kind of old, but not that old. <laughs> but I just can't imagine that. It's like, it's, that's really interesting. So, I mean, was it simply that? Like, you know, hey, I support you guys? Or was it like, you know, no way are you doing that? And then eventually some convincing. Like, how did, how did that go down? Yeah, it, was, it wasn't as polite as no way. There was some, <laughs> some expletives in there. Um, and it, it, it was a, this shocking thing, right? Our mom used to work at the YMCA growing up. Our, our dad worked for the county. Uh, in engineering. So like that nobody in our family comes from entrepreneurship. I've never heard of the term startup or pitch deck or or any of these things, business plan. I, I didn't know this. Uh, so it was just a, this very foreign concept to my parents, which I think freaked them out even more. But it was pretty intuitive. And, and when I say that like football got us ready for this or our background in sports got us ready for this, I mean, we sort of willed this thing into existence. We, we, it's just, it was just effort. You know, we just worked hard and, and sort of made it happen. It wasn't really a complicated thing selling coffee. Um, it was just, it just required a lot. And once our parents saw that we were, we were full in and, and making it happen, they, I mean, my mom used to be in the factory with us mopping the floor when we'd spill coffee. So they, they, they're our biggest supporters. <laughs> That's awesome. So, so, so then what? So you, so you, you left your job. Your brother dropped out of college. How about your other brother? What did he do? Did he leave college as well? He was uh, in in his senior football season uh, at in the Georgetown Business School. And he was like, "Screw you guys! I'm I'm two semesters away from a Georgetown degree." <laughs> <laughs> but he helped. He helped in all his spare time. He really sacrificed a lot of his senior year for the business. Uh, but he stayed in school, got his degree, and uh, so so Jordan and I we moved in together in Maryland, just just north of DC. That that summer before he dropped out, they they worked in the Georgetown startup program to to develop the business plan and the, the concept and all that. Um, so our first market was Washington D.C. And rather than having like a minimum viable product or an MVP and, and a, like a, a well like thought out research business plan, we just made a product in Jordan's blender. Uh, it's the same product he was drinking all summer. Great recipe, and we brought it to the local Whole Foods and we said, "Hey guys, we're Super Coffee, and you you carry nothing like this." And they brought us into their store. The guy was like, this is great. And uh, he placed an order for eight cases and part of their local program. We had to, to hustle to find like a, a facility to make it. And we didn't find a, a, co- a contract manufacturer, which we have now. But we found a, a fa- an old Domino sugar factory up in Baltimore, Maryland. And they had a bottling line in the back of it. And the guy said, look, my, my last shift is at 8 p.m. You guys can come in at 8 p.m. Just be out by 8 a.m. So we would make the coffee overnight and we'd make all these deliveries to colleges and local local grocery stores from DC to Baltimore. And we did that for about 18 months. And with with that sales and, and traction, we uh, we were able to raise some money and, and keep this thing going. And tell us about Shark Tank. I'm sure everyone listening to this knows about or probably has watched it. I've watched it a lot. So what, <laughs> tell us how, what that was like. Yeah, so we uh, we had pitched Sharks in June of 2017. That was exactly 18 months after we we launched the company. And during those 18 months, everybody was like, "You should go on Shark Tank. It's a great story. Go on Shark Tank. Go on Shark Tank." And we didn't like the odds, right? 40,000 companies apply every season for 100 different spots. So we're like, "That's a distraction. We're not going to do that." And then one day, I was just surfing on LinkedIn, and I saw one of my second degree connections commented on another man's post, and he said, "Hey guys, you guys want to go on Shark Tank?" And for for me, I sort of slid in there and was like, what's this you know about Shark Tank? And he introduced us to one of the producers. So that was like the, the producer put our application on the top of the pile. And that was our way in. Uh, and then so that's how we got on Shark Tank. Fast forward. So we go out, we pitch the sharks. I guess that that was a really cool experience in the sense that 
we didn't know what to expect, but it was a very real business meeting. You know, the, the doors opened, like the, the, the famous Shark Tank doors open. We walk down the runway. There's a cameraman in front of us, like backing up as we're walking down. And we get to our mark on the floor. And what a lot of people don't know is for the first 45 seconds, we get to our mark, we can't say anything because the big camera needs to come in and get its swooping shot. And like the producers need to get set of where we are. And then 45 seconds later, which seems like an eternity, the producer yells from the back, begin. And we did our pitch. The first 90 seconds are scripted. So we wrote the script. We had to memorize it. Jordan did 30 seconds. Jake did 30 seconds. I did 30 seconds. And then we, uh, we poured samples for the sharks. And at that point, we were settled in. It, was a, it just became a very real business meeting. And the sharks, yes, it's intimidating on, on TV, but they're humans. It was a very human conversation. And the thing that, that sort of settled our nerves was the fact that we are the three foremost experts on our business. You know, nobody in the world knows more than we do about what we do, just specific to our company. So that gave us the confidence to, to really get up there and have a full hour-long conversation with the Sharks. And what you guys see on TV... So our episode aired seven months later in February of this year, 2018. And what, what you guys don't see is like how they edit it. So all you guys saw on television was just the 10 minutes that the, the producers thought made good TV. Right. And, and so what happened, by the way? I, did, I haven't seen it. Oh, yeah. So check it out. It's uh, season, season 9, episode 22. So they, they loved the concept. They loved us. They liked the hard work and the, the traction we've made sort of in the first couple of years of, of doing business. But they thought our valuation was too high. So, so basically, we were asking for a million dollars for 10% of the company, which valued us at $10 million. And they thought that was too high. It was a, it was a rich valuation at the time. What happened was they, they counter-offered with uh, like double... They wanted double the equity for the, what we were asking for. Basically, a five million valuation, and and we couldn't do it, so we we uh, we just elected not to do a deal. Wow! But you got good publicity. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, it's been good, and it's validating. You know, it's it's one of those things where our buyers at grocery stores or, or new private investors uh, hear that, and they'll take a meeting, they'll take a call. Um, we've really leveraged it from the sales side, saying, "Hey, your customers already know about us because we were on national television. It would make sense for you to take a big order of super coffee, and we promise it'll sell well." Wow! Cool. So. Uh, let's step back for a minute. What um, I want to I want to speak to college students of today, or maybe recent grads too. But what what misconceptions? Now you've had a, an experience of being in college. You've had an experience very recently of being out of college, just from college. What misconceptions do you think college students have when kind of entering the workplace, taking that leap from from the dorm room to the professional world? I think ninety nine percent of of college students have every misconception of what the workplace is going to be. Just because you have in your head what, what you think it's going to be, whether you want to work in finance on Wall Street or in real estate or, or in science, whatever, you have this idea of what you think it's going to be like. And then as soon as you start, it's totally different or everything everything changes. And the, what we like to say is, uh, it's a Mike Tyson quote, everybody has a plan until they get punched in the face. And, and, and for us, and I, I tell this to college students all the time, is don't wait, jump, jump right in. Don't wait till you're qualified. Don't wait till you're ready. Uh, just just get in and, and, and get going because the real world is going to validate your ideas. It's going to validate your concerns. Uh, and, and for us, we didn't want to wait and, and test this amongst our friends or test this at local farmers markets. We went to Whole Foods, which was the, the largest retailer in our category uh, in the country, one of the most prestigious grocery stores in the country. And that was our first account. So 
we jumped right in. And as soon as we started pouring samples to customers and making deliveries and sending invoices, we got a lot smarter about our business. And uh, things changed. The original business plan changed. The pitch deck changed based on, on reality. So whether it's a career that you're after or starting a company, don't wait. Really jump in, be exposed, jump into the deep end because you, you really, the only way you learn and grow is by doing hard things, hard, uncomfortable things. So, so you, I, I can't help but ask about your, your brothers because you're not, you're not doing this alone. I was just imagining like doing what you're doing. You're not doing this alone. You're doing this with two people with you sort of, you know, in the trenches and not only two people, but two people that you grew up with and that you trust and that you know and so on. Tell us about that and how has that affected things? Yeah. So my situation is definitely unique because I've known my business partners for for 23 years. We trust each other. We know how we work together. We know what we're good at, what we're not good at. So we've had that benefit. Um, obviously, there's like the the brotherly love arguments on on little subjective things, but it'd be impossible to, to to do this alone. Totally impossible. It'd be impossible to do this with one partner. You know, if Jake and Jordan were the partners, or if me and Jake or me and Jordan were the partners, I don't think it would work. We each bring a, a diverse third of experience and effort and talent to the business. Uh, and we balance each other out nicely. And by the way, I am by no means an entrepreneur. My, my, it was, this was my brother's idea. It was his vision. And I am more of, I, I like to say, I am the how to, to Jake and Jordan's why. Like They're like, here's why we're going to start a company. Here's what we believe in. Here's our vision. Uh, and they, don't get me wrong. They execute great. But for me, it's like, okay, here's how we're going to make that happen. So I'm more of like the, the analytical sort of realist of let's let's make this thing happen. Let's build out a team. Let's execute. And those are the guys that have the belief and the, vis- the vision to, to make this thing work. And I mean, we live together. We work out together. We go on vacations together. Uh, it's really nonstop. And, and that's what's made this thing successful is our ability to, to be so immersed in the, in the business 24-7. What position did you play in football? Uh, I got recruited as a quarterback, but my my first game I was a kick returner, and then I ended up playing running back for four years. Interesting. I was just thinking about like the role, your role, and you know the way that you talked about that you're really good at analyzing and organizing and executing. I was guessing a quarterback, but you know it's it's interesting. Let's hear let's hear from a from a student. So you're gonna we're gonna I'm gonna play a student question. We'll see what they have to say, and then see what you have to say about that. So here we go. Hi, my name is Marie, and I'm from Brooklyn, New York. My question is. What characteristics do you look for when hiring an intern? Ha. Huh. Well, first of all, do you hire interns? <laughs> and then second of all, what would you look for? Absolutely. So the first question is, uh, we, we hired an intern this summer. I, I gave a presentation at uh, Loyola University of Maryland in, I think, April of 20, 2018. Uh, a student came up to me after class and was like, Mr. Gusica, I love your presentation. This is awesome. Ended up hiring him as a, a customer experience intern over the summer. He did such a good job that we hired him full-time and he and I spent 14 hours a day together. He, he's my right-hand man. Uh, so that was an internship that turned into a career and, and the kid's got a, a very bright future. Um, so yes, we hire interns. What we look for and what made this particular student successful is he works hard. He's, he's super loyal. He's thirsty for, for knowledge and experience. And I think that the thing with a startup that's specific to us is versatility, right? You need to come in with an open mind because we don't offer finance internships. We don't offer marketing internships. If you come here, you're going to touch every piece of the business. And that's not for everybody, but it it really throws you into a a, a diverse, versatile experience where uh, you learn what you like, you learn what you don't like, you get good at at being uncomfortable, at, at not really knowing. 
And that's the the key to to the startup world because even if you are really good at um, digital marketing or design or something like that, uh, when you start full time here, you're going to touch many pieces of the business, despite uh, many pieces outside of your expertise. So I think the ability to work hard and have an open mind. Um, you don't need to be smart. You don't need to be qualified. Like those are all things we can teach you. But if uh, if you're not going to put in the work and if you're not going to be open to to new opportunities, I don't think the uh, the startup world is is for you. That makes sense. Um, we're nearing the end of our chat. This has been awesome. Let me just ask you a couple of quick questions. Uh, can you share with us a productivity tip? Sounds like you kind of need to have them, I imagine. <laughs> is there anything that you do or you've learned to do that kind of that you can kind of share some wisdom about productivity? Yeah, yeah. So uh, a couple of things. So there's there's phases to productivity. So right out of school when we started this, there's always been stress, right? There's always been levels of stress. I think back then it was like, geez, are we going to be able to, to make enough bottles to deliver? And, and now it's like, geez, do we have enough money to make payroll? So um, the, the, the stress changes and evolves. But for productivity, back in the early days, it requires a lot of effort, right? This is not a nine to five. So for me, I would wake up early. I'm, I'm like a 4.30 a.m., 5 a.m. kind of guy. And, and that's not for everybody. But it allows me to be super productive, really get clear out my inbox, set up my day. And by 9 a.m., I have a four-hour jumpstart on on the rest of the world, and and now in my role, the, my day is filled with meetings and phone calls and, and stuff like that. So I don't really get to do work from from nine to five. Um, so so first is, is waking up early. Little practical tips and tricks is I make my bed. I make my bed now, which I was always a messy kid growing up. Uh, but the first thing I do is I, I make my bed in the morning. That's a, a quick way to get a win or an achievement under your belt and set your day up for success. And I, I'm not a religious guy, but I, I do hit hit the floor. I, I, I get on my knees and, and for two minutes, I just express gratitude. Whether I'm talking to God or to, to some spirit in the sky, uh, I just say what I'm thankful for and I, I set an intention for the, for the day. Meaning like today I want to, to be focused and, and not distracted when I'm talking to people. Right. So those two things right there, uh, I think anybody can do them, whether you're an entrepreneur or a student or an athlete, is make your bed and, and uh, express gratitude because it, it really is the best way to start your day. Wow, great tips. I was actually wondering if you're going to talk about drinking coffee. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, avoid it if you can. I'm addicted right now. Unless it's super coffee, drink that stuff. That's what I was going to say. Uh, what makes for a good mentor, do you think, for young professionals? Have you had a mentor in this process? Yeah. One of my mentors and, and close friends is a, a gentleman named Strauss Zelnick. Uh, he is, he's 61 years old. He, he's just named the, the chairman of CBS. And I met him through the, the fitness scene here in New York City. He's, he's super fit. He's been on like the cover of Men's Health magazine. So like, we used to work out together. And he's been through an amazing business career uh, and really at, at, at all levels. So I think the thing that made this particular relationship successful is one, we became friends. We had a lot in common. So that's number one is, is find somebody who you can get along with or somebody who shares similar interests to you because it's not going to work if you're like, hey, you have a cool resume. Will you be my mentor? You know, you don't know if that's going to be a good fit. It's, it's like dating. You guys, you guys need to be compatible and, and you need to understand each other. And then the second piece to successful or effective mentorship relationships is being vulnerable, right? You don't need to be tough. You don't need to put on a, a facade or, or pretend like you, you know more than you do. Really express your fears and, and your anxiety to your mentor once you obviously get to that point in your relationship with him or her. And if you're not, if you're not being fully honest with him or her, uh, you're not going to get the most out of that relationship. So uh, I found with my mentors who, who I trust and, and have good relationships with, 
I, I lay it out all on the table and, and the advice is, is practical from them because they've been through it as well. Right. Got it. That's great. All right. One last question for you. You're been out of college for a couple of years now, um, but you've like you've done a ton of stuff since then and everything has transformed for you. If you could sort of leap back and step back in time to to sort of, I don't know, junior, senior year, whenever it was, before you got that phone call from your brother, what piece of advice would you give to that sort of you know, I don't know, 19, 20-year-old college version of you. And really the question is 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 a question I ask everyone, sort of like stepping back from where they are now to where they were in college, which I think is a lot of the people listening to this are probably around that college time. What advice would you give? Yeah, that's a great question. And it, it's a tough one to answer, but I, I do think that uh, for me it is commit to something and and go all in with it, whether it's a, a job, it's, it's a nine to five, or if it's graduate school, or if it's a startup. Uh, once you're committed, go all in. Don't go through the motions. Don't do something to get a couple years of sales experience and then move on to something you really want to do. Uh, because you're only going to learn and you're only going to get the most out of something if you're putting everything into it. And, and that cliche of you only get out of it what you put into it is so true. So even if it's something that you're not that passionate about, or it's not your your life's work or your your calling, uh, really commit to it. Really make sacrifices. Work harder than everybody else there because you're going to learn a lot about yourself, and those experiences are going to shape who you become. Great advice. So, thank you so much for coming on and taking taking the time out of your day for this. Um, really appreciate it. Uh, how how can people learn more about you and your in your company if they're interested? I know they can just they can go to a lot of supermarkets and find it, but how do they, if they want to go online, for instance, what can they do? Yeah, so my brothers and I are on LinkedIn and Instagram. Uh, our last name is DeCicco, D-E-C-I-C-C-O. My name's Jim. Uh, Jake is the middle brother, and Jordan is the youngest brother. So hit us up with direct messages, with questions, with with uh, LinkedIn comments. We'll, we're responsive to all of that. Our company website is k2life.com, K-I-T-U-L-I-F-E.com. And then we're on Instagram as at Drink Super Coffee. So follow along. We're, we're always doing giveaways and promotions. That's where we uh, we post our job descriptions and our, our internship opportunities as well. But please reach out. We're, we're happy to, to answer any questions you guys have. Awesome. Thanks so much. Andy, you are the man. Thank you for this. This was fun. Okay, very interesting episode. And now it is time for uh, some some reactions. I have here in my office four uh, undergraduate students, in fact, four of the people who helped create the podcast. We've all listened to it, and we want to see what we think. So uh, so what what stood out to you all about 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 this this episode? It's an interesting story. Anyone? So what stood out to me the most was how he leveraged certain situations in his life to get benefited in the future. For example, he leveraged his football skills in order to get into a good university. And he leveraged um, his incident um, on Shark Tank. Even though he did not get a deal, he leveraged it to get publicity and to get future deals. So that's something that I found really interesting. Yeah, so you can like, so you can sort of like think about what you have to leverage potentially. Yeah, interesting. Anyone else? I think there's definitely a theme of like bargaining that goes along with that. It actually reminds me a lot, Professor, of your book, Reach, and about getting through this cycle of anxiety in which you kind of tend to overthink some things and it requires taking that jump and reaching success. And I think in the same way, a lot of the impact that Jim had was by taking these risks and putting things on the line, as well as, for instance, his brother even dropping out of college um, and really 
putting his all into making sure that their company was able to succeed. Yeah, you hear that theme of taking a leap. I mean, I, so so I, I've benefited from already having recorded many episodes. <laughs> you guys have only heard one, but it's really true. A lot of people are sort of taking a leap, and when they tell their story sort of retrospectively, it's like, oh yeah, of course you took that leap because look at the success you had. But in the moment, you don't know what's coming in the future. So it's it's pretty interesting. Other uh, other reactions? Um, yeah, I mean, similarly, I felt that the way that he was able to, like, discuss about um, how football and especially Shark Tank was able to help him grow the business, um, I feel like a lot of people don't admit to that in some regards. But, I mean, I thought it was really helpful for me as a student to hear that, especially since, I mean, like, a lot of people do get into school for sports and everything, but you have to... I don't know. It just made it a lot more relatable. Absolutely. Did you guys watch Shark Tank? Yes. Oh, yeah. I, th- I thought it was kind of cool to hear the backstage of Shark Tank, actually. Right. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I didn't know about it so much. How about, how about you, Yu Chen? What did you think? Yeah, mine is, uh, when I he- mine is when I hear he talks about uh, make her bad and express gratitude. Because they are like tiny habits in our life, but may really change us in the future. And also, like, it's not about religion, but expressing gratitude is a really good thing, like, at the beginning of each day. And you will know when you do uh, in the whole day and how you react to others and you'll go. So, yeah, I like that, too. There was something very grounding about that, you know, about praying. You know, he's, he's like, I'm not a religious guy, but, you know, I just get on the floor and I you know, say say a word of thanks and, you know, make my bed. <laughs> I should tell my kids that. Um, how about in terms of careers? Uh, anything that, any takeaways about your, about your career? You know, you guys are on the cusp of starting up your careers. Mine is more about startups because I'm really interested in innovations and startups. So I heard he said about their opinion comes from that they couldn't find a coffee shop on campus, so they have to make the coffee by themselves. And so I was thinking, I'm thinking about like, if I have an idea about startup, I need to hear more details and also discover new things in life to see like what I can really help others if I start up. And it's like, you know, that that's absolutely true. Like of a lot of these stories that we're going to hear during during our podcast, like a lot of the entrepreneurs, they're solving problems that happen sort of not massive world problems, but like I, I can't get anything to drink that like, you know, works for me or something like that. And it like that can launch a business. So like noticing, observing, and then having that insight. I agree with you. Um, anyone else? How about career stuff? Yeah, so one thing I found really interesting was that the coffee market, it's of course a very saturated market to enter. So even for some for some college student to drop out, to start a business in an extremely saturated market where there are really, really big companies that could easily maybe take over or something. So that was one of the things that stood out because they took such a big risk by doing this, but it finally paid off. Yeah. Yeah. And jumping off of that, actually, after listening to this episode, I actually went to the convenience store and picked up a bottle of Super Coffee. And it's very interesting because when you look at the back label, they actually have their origin story um, printed along it. And I think that I hear a lot that young people in our generation, we've got such a saturated market. We are now able to choose based on things like our morals and our ethics. 
And so we're becoming more open to hearing about the personal experience behind these products. I think that's a really interesting approach that's coming out about now. Wow, cool. All right. So this is this is an awesome episode. Um, listeners, uh, if you have any thoughts and reactions, please email them to us at podcast at brandeis.edu. That's podcast at b-r-a-n-d-e-i-s.edu. We'd love to hear from you. Check us out on Twitter, from the dorm room, uh, on Facebook, and uh, look out for our next episode. It'll be an equally interesting but uh, quite different one. And uh, we we hope to uh, have you listen in then. Thank you for listening to From the Dorm Room to the Boardroom. If you're interested in learning more about the work that I do and helping people step outside their comfort zones and transition successfully into the professional world, please visit my website, www.andymolinsky.com. That's A-N-D-Y-M-O-L-I-N-S-K-Y.com. And also feel free to email me directly at andy at andymolinsky.com with any feedback or ideas for guests for future podcasts. This podcast is brought to you by Brandeis University's International Business School. By teaching rigorous business, finance, and economics, connecting students to best practices and immersing them in international experiences, Brandeis International Business School prepares exceptional individuals from around the globe to become principled professionals in companies and public institutions worldwide. Thank you so much for listening.